Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast, a place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share with you. Whether you're listening on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or needing a boost of encouragement after a full day, I want for you to feel seen by God, to be encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Well, we are living in some interesting days, are we not? I am even more convinced how much we need strong biblical truth poured into our hearts and our minds, and I'm excited that the podcast will be continuing to do that. And I'm excited to introduce to you my guest today, who is Jody Sapp. Jody shares her God story with us, and you will be encouraged by hearing it. And so let's get to our conversation. Well, welcome to the podcast, Jody. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I am so excited to have you on. My friend, my new friend, Bethany, uh, and I were having coffee about, probably about two months ago, and we were talking, and your name came up, and she was just talking about how uh, she had this wonderful friend named Jody, and she just was <laughs> talking about your story, and it was in passing. We were talking about something else. But I could not get your story out of my head. And I was like, I need to have Jody on the podcast. So thank you for coming on. Yes, I'm so glad to be here. And I love that you met Bethany. She's one of my favorite people in the world and one of my lifelong friends. So that's so cool that y'all connected. That's awesome. Okay, so I want to start kind of at the beginning of your story. You and your husband, now Brad, uh, were high school sweethearts. You uh, have two children. And tell me a little bit about your life now or just introduce yourself. Jody, I'm married to Brad. We have two kids, Lawson and Bella, who have upcoming birthdays and will be 15 and 12. It is hard to believe. Wow. but we are in Macon, Georgia. So that's kind of right in the center of our state, just about an hour south of Atlanta. So we're not too far from the airport. Um, we've lived here for about 14 years um, this summer. So yeah, Brad and I were high school sweethearts and um, obviously have been together for quite some time as we just celebrated 40th birthdays last year. Um, and so we've been married for 18 years this summer. Okay. All right. Well, I want to kind of take it back because being high school sweethearts, like you said, you just celebrated 40th birthday. I did too this past summer. Uh, (laughs) It's a whole thing. I'm like, I remember when my mom turned 40, like this is crazy. So y'all have been together a while. Tell me, take me back. Y'all were high school sweethearts. There was something that happened in your husband's life. I think his father passed away. And that was a moment that changed him and your family forever. So take me back to that um, and how you knew Brad started struggling with addiction. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were high school sweethearts. We made it through high school, started college. Um, I went away to college. Brad um, opted to stay home and go to our local college here. And, you know, we were just living life. We were young. We were excited. We were meeting new people, trying new things, figuring out what our career path was going to be. And then it was actually 20 years ago. It was March 8th of the year 2000 and everything changed. His dad was involved in a tragic 
accident and um, was airlifted to a local burn center and he died five days later. And so Brad was 21 at the time. Um, there was a family business involved that obviously his dad had, had ran. And so there was a lot, you know, tied up in that, a lot of decisions to be made. Um, and I always say that, that you, in Brad's story, it was sort of a perfect storm because he lost his dad in 2000. And so he had this grief and just this unresolved, you know, grief in his heart. And then about two years later, he experienced um, a physical injury. He tore his ACL while he was playing football in an adult football league. And so I say that's kind of the perfect storm because he had this heart issue and then he had a legitimate physical injury that required surgery and physical therapy and pain pills. And so that was sort of the beginning of his addiction. And it's something that um, we, it was about a 10 year journey for us, but that was kind of the beginning of it. Okay. So you mentioned pain pills. Is that what was kind of the gateway Absolutely. Absolutely. Opioids, which you've probably heard. I mean, there's an opioid epidemic in our nation right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's just something that is really, unfortunately, they're they're easy to get. You know, if you can't get them from a doctor, you can find them on the street or you can order them online. I mean, there's just a million different ways. You know, you could get them from a friend's medicine cabinet, whatever. They're just Mm -hmm. so accessible. Okay. So that was kind of the gateway drug for him to be addicted. How did you know, or when did you realize this was a major issue? I'm sure he hit it for a while because I think most people do. Yes. Yes. And see, and and there are differences. I mean, for Brad, he was a super functional addict. So Mm -hmm. he didn't miss work. He didn't miss church. He didn't miss any of our social events. You know, he didn't miss anything. And I always say it's a little bit different than alcohol because with alcohol, you can smell it. You know, speech might be slurred. They can't walk straight, whatever. Um, but with pills, it's kind of a whole, whole nother monster. And so um, after he tore his ACL, it was exactly a year later, we were about to celebrate our one year anniversary. And he came to me and said, Hey, you know, I've, I've been abusing these pills. Like I've been taking more than I should. Um, but you know, it's fine. And I, I'm, I'm realized that I'm not going to do it anymore. I mean, I was like, so naive, like, okay, well, gosh, thanks for telling me, you know, I appreciate that. Had no idea. And so about a year passed, um, you know, didn't really notice anything. I came home from teaching a workout class and walked into our computer room and he'd left the screen up. Pat Pazerly left the screen up where he'd ordered some pills online mm-hmm. and was having them shipped to a friend's house. And so I did not, I didn't know what to do. Like, you know, just kind of hit me out of nowhere. Cause again, he was functional. I didn't really have any idea that I knew that this was sort of a new level. And so we were you still sort of newlyweds, right? And I didn't want to call my parents because I thought yeah. I remembered the rule about, you know, now you're have a family and, and you mm-hmm. can't go running back to your parents. And so I thought, but what do I do? So I called his mom and his brother to come over for like an intervention. I was like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I realized that I needed someone else. Um, to be there. And that's just an important thing for anybody that's listening that, that might find themselves in that position. It's, it's, you have to bring somebody else into the circle. You need to have somebody else there because for an addict that's in their addiction, it's real easy for them to kind of deflect 
and turn it back around. And if it's just you, <laughs> by the end of the conversation, you feel like you're the crazy one. You know mm -hmm. what's happening. So um, I brought them over. We confronted him. And in Brad's case, God love him. He's always been um, he's always been remorseful and willing to go and get help. Mm -hmm. And so that was the beginning of um, really kind of the beginning, I guess, of the addiction story because that was the first time that he went and received help. Okay. Now, and that looked a lot different. I mean, then that looked like just going to a local hospital to be detoxed okay. from the drugs he was using and then like attending a half a day program. Okay. And so he did that he and did then he that. came home and then life was good again. And yeah, yeah. It just sort of ebbed and flowed. I mean, that was our story. Um, you know, again, he was functional and so he would do all the things and really for about that 10 year period, he would, um, you know, stay, he would do well for seven, eight, nine months and then something would happen and he'd fall off the wagon again. And so he did several um, of the hospital detox sort of things. And then in 2006, we realized when he fell off the wagon again, that, okay, we got to do something different, you know, maybe more of an extended program. So at that time he went to uh, a six week program. In six weeks back then felt like forever. <laughs> so I was like, oh, surely, you know, we're cured. Like this is, this is going to be fine. Um, and then, you know, years went on. And then finally kind of the big trigger, 2012 was a hard year, really struggled with a lot of um, symptoms from his addiction, but that could have been lots of other scary things like stroke, seizure kind of symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so we were, you know, at the doctor a lot, I had to call the ambulance once. It was a pretty scary year. And then the beginning of 2013 is when it all, all fell apart. Mm -hmm. And that's when he ultimately went to the year long treatment program where he found, found freedom. So I'm thinking back and I'm thinking, okay, you're a newlywed. Um, and even it, when you weren't a newlywed, this is something that you probably don't want to share, but is that Absolutely. something, I mean, did you hide it from friends? What, how did oh. you go with it? Yeah, I just, um, because I think, you know, you initially, you feel shame, you feel so mm -hmm. much shame, like you feel like, oh gosh, you know, how is this happening to me? And I mean, my type A personality, like, okay, God, this is not what I expected. This is not, you know, I've been a good girl. I don't know. It's not how I expected my life to go. Um, and so, yeah, in the beginning, I was um, real hesitant. It took me Gosh, a lot longer than I wish it would have, but it took me probably, yeah, it, it, I would say it took me the full 10 years to get to the place where I could speak my truth. And I realized that it was that February that he was away um, and he was at detox again, and then he was going to go to the year long program. And I remember somebody, you know, things always happen at the most inconvenient times. Like this was in the midst where we were throwing a big surprise birthday party for my dad and my grandmother. They were turning 60 and 80. And I remember a family friend at the party asked, you know, where's Brad? And for the first time, I told the truth. Like I just said, he, he's getting help. He's away at a program getting help. And I can tell you that that truth really set me free, like being able to share my truth because the thing is it's it's still our truth regardless of if we share it or not mm. but but there was freedom for me and being able to say I don't have to cover this up anymore you know it didn't didn't change my circumstances but but just walking and standing in what my current truth was was super powerful for me 
Mm, that's good. You said that back in, it was February of 2013 when everything just kind of blew up. Tell me what happened at that time. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, it had been a slow fade. It had been coming for a long time. He'd been functional, but you can only keep all that up for so long. We always say it's kind of like the guy in the circus is spinning all the plates in the air. Eventually they're going to come crashing down. And so, um, it was really wrapped up in one evening when, when he came home and he was back in the family business trying to make that work. And it, it just was not going well. Um, and, he, at this point, I mean, it, it wasn't even something that a, a typical opioid that he would have, you know, been, had taken too much of. It was like a, an allergy medicine of some sort the doctor given. So it just shows you how progressive the disease is and just kind of how bad it had gotten. So he had, had taken, I think, a whole bottle before he drove home um, that night. And this is about 30, 30 minutes away. And so for the first time, I mean, obviously it is only by the grace of God that he survived that drive and that other people on the road survived him mm. that evening. Um, but he, he made it home and obviously, you know, I could tell I, I was standing, I had called to make sure he was on the way and I, I knew something was wrong. You know, it's kind of slurring in speech and that sort of thing. And I was standing out in the yard when I called him, he was about a mile away and I said, I'm going to stand here and wait on you. And I stood there watching and he was just kind of swerving down the road, like pulled in our driveway, took out the bushes along the side of the drive. And so I knew, okay, this, this is it. You know, he, he is not functional anymore. And mm-hmm. I ran down, actually had him sit in the car so I could go inside and get the kids like mm-hmm. in a room kind of quarantined. Then I got him in the bedroom and, um, it was at that point that I called, um, a friend. I called my friend who's a pharmacist first to say, you know, this is what I found in his truck. Can you tell me what's happening? Um, then I called a couple to come and get my kids. And then I called Bethany to say, I need you to come over. Um, and she came and I remember just breaking down in tears and saying, I need you to call my parents, you know, cause they had no idea mm-hmm. um, what was going on. And so they came and um, that the process began of, of getting him into a program and, and starting a new life for real that year. Okay. So that night, did he stay home? And then the next day you call and then. Yeah. So that night he, he was home. Um, he, you know, obviously just kind of slept it off. I just kind of left him, um, in the bedroom and figured out what we're going to do. We had been seeing a counselor. And so the counselor we had been seeing is the one who recommended no longer bound told us about that's the program, the year long program that he went to in 2013. And so I called some friends and the friends that were always <laughs> helping me with the kids and just said, Hey, you know, he, he can't stay here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we got to figure out something to do in the interim. And so they were kind enough and gracious enough to let him stay in their home for a few days until he could get to Atlanta. Okay. To the program. Yeah. Okay. So this program that you're talking about, it's um, no longer bound and it is in yes. the Atlanta area and it yes. is a year long program. So he has yes. gone for when, when he went, it was actually 10 months. So he went in February, came home in December. Now it is a year long program. It's 12 okay. months. Okay. Um, and then tell me when I, I'm going to quote you because you have a blog and your blog mm-hmm. is called living the freed up life. Yes. And so whenever I interview somebody, I um, research and AKA stalk people. Like, 
So um, on your blog, I found that you have a blog uh, called Living the Freed Up Life, which I love that. And you said, anytime you're doing kingdom work, opposition is expected. Yes. And I know this quote is when you were talking about y'all have a ministry now mm -hmm. reaching out to those who are tied up in drug addiction. Mm -hmm. You were talking about not getting some property that uh -huh. y'all were wanting, but I feel like this can totally relate to what you and Brad were walking through. So uh, you were yeah. praying, you were waiting, you were raising your two children on your own for that year, for that 10 months. Mm -hmm. and that's, that was kingdom work right there. Yeah. Yes. And so what type of opposition did you feel during that time when he was away, knowing that that is exactly where he needed to be, but still yeah. feeling that opposition and you're in the midst of kingdom work. So I love that Absolutely. you said that quote, but tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was, um, you know, definitely went through the roller coaster of emotions, much like um, the roller coaster you hear about when someone loses someone to death, you know, like the grief. Uh, because he was gone, you know, he had been removed mm -hmm. from our home. And so there definitely was opposition. So in looking back, the Lord was so generous, even in all the emotions I felt, because it's like I felt each one at the right amount of time. Like in the beginning, I didn't have, I couldn't just crumble and go sit in the corner and cry because I had a full-time job. I had a household, I had two small children. Mm -hmm. I had to take care of all the things. And so I think I was just filled with adrenaline and I was just determined and I just went as hard as I could. And then obviously there were times that I did cry and I did, you know, feel lonely and I did feel sad. Um, and there was definitely spiritual opposition. You know, there were, there were voices from the world telling me, you know, leave this, this has been too much for too long. You should leave and, you know, start over. He's never going to change. Um, and then there was just, I, I began when I, I was in counseling and I got, when I got to the place of, it was really a very simple question that he asked me, but I couldn't get to it on my own. But he said, do you still love this man? If he can get right, do you still love this man? And the answer was unequivocally, yes, of course. You know, I love him. I want to raise our family together. I want us to be a whole family. And so once I got to that place, I began, um, I think, to begin to forgive and begin to imagine a future if, if God could really do a work. And so at that moment, that was probably, he left in February. It's probably April when I got to that point. Mm -hmm. And it's a zero contact period when he goes away. And so there's been no calls, no visits, no letters, no nothing. You know, you're just kind of in the dark. Um, and I say all the time that I needed rehab just as much as he did because mm -hmm. I needed every bit of that. Um, and so for us, our separation period was 107 days that we didn't see each other. So I was just waiting for the call to come this whole time saying that we could have a visit. And so by April, I decided that when that call came, I did want to go. And so at that moment, I began asking my best friends, my prayer warriors that were surrounded me during this time, we all began praying a very specific prayer. And it was that, you know, I felt like I didn't have any time to waste and that God, I need to know that you're doing a work in this man. And so I am praying that in the first moment I lay my eyes on him, that I will know that you are doing a work. And so we all prayed that prayer. Um, the call came on a Friday that I could go visit the very next day. It was June 7th of 2013. And Ren, I'm here to tell you that God answered that prayer so big. I literally knew the moment I laid eyes on him 
that God was doing a work and that he was calling us to something and something that was going to take both of us. And so um, we had, and even God's timing in that, the visits came right during the summertime. So my kids were home and we would have something to look forward to on the weekends. And I mean, they kids are so resilient. Like they thought it was the greatest thing. You know, mm. we were still living here at home. We got to go visit dad on Saturdays. Yeah, It was yeah. fantastic. Mm. Um, and there was definitely, so during that time, that was a real sweet time. Then you go into another zero contact period mm. where they're in the most intense part of the program. Um, they actually used to call it inner healing because that's where they're digging down deep. They're getting to those heart issues, the root problems. And so you, he, again, he didn't have any contact with the outside world. And so there was some intense spiritual warfare for us back home during that time. Mm-hmm. I always say that it's kind of like um, Satan knew that, okay, this things have been going pretty good with this guy. And, you know, this is my last ditch effort to, you know, knock her off her kilter and just kind of destroy this marriage. And so what started happening, he, he knows where to attack and what's going to pack the most punch. Mm-hmm. And so for a single woman who is home with two small children, what do you think that was? Everything started breaking around the household. Like everything was tearing up. I had problems with my, you know, inside the home, um, dishwasher broke, a son threw, my son threw a baseball <laughs> through a glass pane. My mm-hmm. car wouldn't start one morning. Um, I busted two tires one day <laughs> driving to work. I mean, like it was just those constant mm-hmm. things. Um, but thankfully, um, you know, I had been kind of reading a little bit about spiritual warfare. I'd listened to some sermons on, I was reading Jensen Franklin's Spirit of Python book. And so I felt like I recognized it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's so powerful when you can, you know, recognition can be half the problem sometimes. So when, yeah. you, when you recognize that. And so I was able to, and he, the Lord just filled me with strength to stay strong and provided people that could help, you know, fix all these problems that were happening. And, right. and we made it through. Wow. Um, and he came home just three days before Christmas on December 21st of that year. So it was a sweet, sweet reunion. And um, yeah, it was, mm. it was beautiful. Hmm. Well, and I want to, I want to camp on a little spot where you said that you knew God was calling you to something more. Mm -hmm. God was calling Mm y'all to something bigger. And so now looking back, (laughs) now you know what God was calling you to. So tell us a little bit about Crossroads Recovery and the ministry that God has called y'all to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, I think during the entire time, God kept speaking to both of us and he would say, um, you know, I know this is hard, but it's going to be beautiful. You know, if you can just hang on and, and thankfully we were able to do that. We never could have imagined, um, what he had in store. My life first actually on my wrist right here, (laughs) Ephesians 320 now to God, who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. And that is certainly what he's done in our lives. And so I'll never forget. It was, um, Brad came home December 21st, 2013. And the first few months of 2014, um, he didn't immediately go back to work. He was just kind of, you know, easing back into to life outside of the recovery home and just pouring into us. He was making lunches, taking kids to school, that sort of thing. And he called me one day and asked me if I would come home for lunch. And um, we sat at our dining table and he said, I feel like I'm being called to start a ministry like no longer man in this area because there's nothing, nothing like it here. 
Um, and then he said, are you all in? <laughs> because he knew it was going to take both of us to, to make this thing happen. And so, of course, I said I was because just as he had developed such a deep love for men who were struggling and, and addicts, I had such a love for families mm. um, and for the wives and the moms and the siblings, you know, who were walking through this. And so I was more than happy um, to join him um, in the calling. And so we, um, he was, went back to school full time to finish his undergrad because when he, when his dad passed away, he left school to go help and run the family company. So he went back to school. We were, I was working full time. So I was the breadwinner. I carried the insurance, all the things. And then in May, I miraculously lost my job. It was nuts. I say, I think Mark Batterson says that about a story he tells about somebody, you know, like miraculously using their job because it's sort of a divine appointment mm -hmm. that you can't see at the time. But, um, you know, I was devastated because I'd never lost a job in my life. And again, um, you know, I was earning the money. I had the insurance, but looking back, I can see God's hand so clearly because Brad is also an HVAC contractor and so summer is his busy month. You know, everybody needs their air conditioner service and all that. So it was May that was getting kicked off. And then I felt like God was saying, you know, you've never had the summer home with your kids. So enjoy this. And then you do the groundwork to get this ministry started because mm -hmm. I'm the admin. <laughs> Brad is not, he is the face of the program. He does incredible work with those men, but he is not administrative. <laughs> so we, I knew it was going to be me that was going to cross the T's and dot the I's. And so I used that summer um, to get all that done and meet with our attorneys and get all the you know legal paperwork and all the stuff, all our ducks in a row. And we sent it off and they said, it'll probably be the end of the year because you're dealing with IRS and it just takes a long time. We were approved in like three months. Wow. It was nuts. And so um, I had been praying like, Lord, will you please, um, you know, show me like, what am I supposed to do? Banking, I have a degree in business administration and banking had always been my profession. And then when I left banking, I was in the industry where I lost my job and I was the chief operating officer for them for six years. And it was like, I, I don't want to go back to banking. It's changed so much. The other industry was so specialized. I'm not really looking for that. But Lord, would you provide a job, maybe in a nonprofit, so I could start to learn the workings of, of that? And again, he did immeasurably more because not only did he give me a job at a nonprofit, it was only four days a week. It was wow. full time with benefits and had every Friday off. It was awesome. And wow. so I worked there for about six months. The director was incredible, took me under her wing, just kind of showed me lots of things. I learned so much. And then in May of 2016, Crossroads was ready to, to take me on. That's wow. That's awesome. Been there ever since. And I just think that is so cool that God put that in your heart and knowing even when you were visiting him, when he was still in treatment, that you knew yes. God was calling you to something bigger. Y'all, both yeah. of you to something bigger. And I think yeah. that is huge. And so what would you tell a woman that is walking she is where you were in 2013 where um, she knows that there's a problem or maybe that her husband is struggling with drug addiction. Um, what would you tell her? I know that some people I've heard a quote before about, you know, God can definitely redeem a marriage, but mm -hmm. sometimes marriages because there's two people involved, right. they are not restored. And so right. God can redeem it, but, you know, we all have choices to, right. whether or not we're going to stay or, or 
or that we are going to have a restored marriage. So would you speak yes. to that a little bit of a woman that maybe yeah. is not going to have a restored marriage? And Yeah, right. for sure. I would say, um, you know, seek wise counsel for sure. I mean, that's so important. Your pastor or find a good Christian counselor, um, or a group of friends that you can confide in. But again, you got to let somebody in. You got to speak your truth. Um, because once we shed light on what we're dealing with and on our problem, it doesn't have power over us anymore. It doesn't control us. It's, if you bring it out of the dark, it's not so scary once we shed some light on it. Um, you know, there are incredible programs outside of counseling. Um, Al-Anon was super helpful for me along the way. Um, Celebrate Recovery is another great program. And then obviously just a lot of prayer. I mean, I stayed on my knees um, so much during during all of that. And, you know, for me, I wanted to know, like you said, it's going to take both partners being willing to do some hard work um, for a marriage to be restored. And same thing with families. You know, we talk about addiction being a family disease, and it's so true. We always encourage all the men that come through our program now, we're encouraging their family to be involved in recovery because we say if only the man gets healthy, and nobody else. It's like fixing a car that has four flat tires, but you only fix one. And mm -hmm. so um, for me, I wanted to know, I just had to know at the end of the day that I had done all I, I could do mm -hmm. uh, to make my marriage work. I knew that I had to give my husband over to God. I had to give my marriage over to God, but I needed to be able to lay my head down and know that I had, you know, I had had wise counsel. I'd gone to the meetings. I'd done all the things and that I had done everything I could do mm. to make it work. And at the end of the day, if it didn't, it wasn't because I didn't check a box or I didn't, you know, go through all the motions that I needed to. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's really yeah. good advice. I want to tell you the coolest thing that um, God taught us during that yeah. um, was that we were in the same storm, right? But we were very different sides of the storm because you had Brad who'd kind of been plucked out of her home and sent to the rehab, right? And he had no idea. I think Bethany told you about he would see a Wells Fargo and would wonder like, is she paying my mortgage? Yes. Because yeah, he had no idea what was happening. Right. Here. If I was leaving, if I was like burning his clothes in the front yard, right. what was happening? Because it was no contact. And then for me, um, you know, my husband had been plucked out of our home and then I'm just sitting here trying to do all the things and keep it all together and figure out what I'm going to tell people, you know, what's mm. happening. But God told us the exact same thing, and that was, let me be enough. Let, let him be enough. Because for Brad, he said, what if she leaves and you never see those kids again? Um, what are you going to do then? Are you going to turn back to your addiction? Or are you going to surrender and let me be enough? And then for me, he said, okay, life's not going like you planned. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to get angry and resentful and bitter? are you going to turn to me and surrender and let me be enough? And thankfully in his, his strength and his power, we were both able to surrender. And so like that is kind of our platform today when we're sharing with people is, you know, let him be enough because it's, it's hard for people to imagine when their life's turned upside down or when they get a diagnosis or when something happens to the kid or, you know, whatever that, that he could be enough. But the truth is he really can't. Mm. All the empty spots. I love that. Okay. Where can we find Crossroads? And uh, I love your blog. If you're open to sharing that, I would love for you to share where we yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my blog is freed up life and um, 
it that kind of came from a, a phrase that was coined I think back when Brad is no longer bound among some men and we actually um, copyrighted it and have like a hashtag freed up um, we have t-shirts and all those sorts of things but it's just talking about being free and finding freedom in Christ from whatever bondage you have in your life it doesn't have to be addiction but we all have something and so um, just finding the freedom in Christ from that. So that's kind of where the blog title came from, um, Freed Up Life. And um, Crossroads, you can find at crossroadsrecovery.org. And then we're on Facebook and Instagram too at Crossroads Recovery. Okay, good deal. All right. So uh, in the last like two minutes of our recording, I want to ask you, what is your favorite snack you're eating? What are you loving? And what are you reading? Okay. Um, well, eating, I am eating lots of fruits and vegetables right now because I'm doing Weight Watchers and those are zero points. (laughs) Nothing too exciting there, but I will say I found a fabulous cookbook called The Divine Dish and it is wonderful. I have loved it. For me to say I love a cookbook is huge. So (laughs) I have loved it. My family has loved it. It is really like they're wondering who I am because it is like transformed my cooking. It's awesome. Okay. Um, And then what am I reading? I am finishing up my master's in counseling, specifically temperament counseling. So right now I'm reading lots of books on uh, counseling and specifically on self-control, but I always have a library waiting for me. So sitting on my table right now are Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen, uh, Chasing Vines by Beth Moore, and Suffering Strong by Catherine Wolfe. Um, Yes. And I've probably got a couple of Amazon cart too. Yeah, yeah. Me too, girl. Four of books. Um, And then what am I loving? I am loving spring weather. Spring is my favorite season. I love the spring weather. I love spring spring fashion, give me a good wedge any day of the week. <laughs> and I am in business. So great. That's yeah. so fun. Well, I love that because then we get to know you a little bit better um, with the things. And I did not know about your wedges. So I need yeah. to know, where do you get your shoes? Do you go like Oh over? my gosh. I wish you had one, Ren, but you don't because it's a little local store here in Macon, mm-hmm. um, Head Over Heels. My absolute favorite. It is precious, but they do they do ship. So okay. check them online. Okay, I'll put them Head in my show notes. Heels. Head over heels. How adorable is that? I know. I mean, how know. cute! Fantastic. Yeah, you have well, to check them out. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This yes. was so great, and I appreciate you sharing your story. Oh gosh, I. I Loved it, and it is just the honor of my life to get to share because I feel like, you know, God didn't take us through that time just to save our little family and keep it to ourselves, but he wants us to share what he's done with other people and to give them hope. Mm, Love it. My goodness, I loved hearing from Jody so, so much. And if you enjoyed listening to her story, would you screenshot it and put it on your Insta stories and tag me at Friends of a Feather Podcast? I would love to hear. It really encourages me to hear when you are encouraged by an episode. And if you really liked the episode, I would love if you go to your podcast app, click the five stars and leave a one or two sentence line review that helps the podcast so much and encourages other women to join in to our community. 
Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can always check out the show notes at renrobbins.com slash podcast. Remember, we're all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.